Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, IDP Army. Ever think about making your own podcast? Let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. And you can make some money with your podcast, too, with no minimum listenership. It's got everything that you need to make a podcast all in one place. So what are you waiting for, IDP Army? Download the free Anchor app and go to anchor.fm to get started today. Again, with the Dynasty Tailgate Podcast, a part of the Semi Pro Fantasy Sports Podcast Network. I am at Ombre Vendor on Twitter, Billy Mansell. It's good to be back. I took a week off. Um, was not feeling the best last week, as anybody who listened to the Offensive Points Podcast heard. I was a little under the weather, so did not want to come on here and uh, sound like absolute horrible for 30 minutes because. That probably wouldn't have gone well. Um, I'm still not all the way back, but we're getting there. We're getting there one, one at a time. It was not COVID. Uh, it was some kind of other sickness, maybe a small flu, something like that. But all good. We're better now. So let's get into this. As I promised two weeks ago, we're going to talk wide receivers today. However, before we get into that, Joe and I, OP Economist, I don't know if everybody remembers him from the beginning of this podcast, but we... Got our media credentials approved for the Senior Bowl, so we will be heading out there to check out all of the seniors that are uh, going to be available for that bowl game. It'll be a lot of fun. It's uh, the end of January, beginning of February, right before the Super Bowl. Um, I'm pretty pumped, I'm not going to lie. Uh, getting to see some of these guys in person is going to be awesome. Um, some performances that show out at that Senior Bowl end up actually meaning something come draft time i mean michael carter was huge last senior bowl um and then you get to see crazy matchups like you get to see baker mayfield versus josh allen you you get to see all sorts of things that you wouldn't normally get to see there's a ton of talent um we'll get into that at a later podcast but there's just there's going to be a ton of people there um it's going to be a blast it'll be a lot of fun cannot wait to cover it for this podcast and just in general, getting to get to getting to see and talk to all the people that are going to be there. It'll be a lot of fun. So stay tuned. We will have a preview of that for sure. And we will get you content from the Senior Bowl coming up here at the end of January. So let's get into why we're here today. We're here to talk about wide receivers for the 2022 draft class. This is it. This is the cream of the crop. The people that you are here to talk about um i would say this is probably the deepest 
wide like uh, of all the position groups that are available in this draft, wide receiver is by far the deepest at any position. Uh, you could make an argument for cornerback. I would I would hear that out. Um, there's a lot of good cornerbacks in this draft. I cannot wait to get to some of them because man, they they're going to be good, and I cannot wait to um, dive into uh, seeing what all they were able to accomplish this year because there's so many good names, so many good cornerbacks, which is fun because that's what we need in this draft because there's so many good wide receivers out there as is. So, but now we're here to talk about cornerbacks we're here to talk about wide receivers. So let's get into it. Number one on the board, wide receiver one. And this is probably my top player on the board. Um, he's officially declared, declared for the draft last week. And that is Garrett Wilson from Ohio state. So he's only six foot tall, 192 pounds, uh, stats wise, 70 catches on the year, 15.1 yards per reception, 1,058 yards and 12 touchdowns. So the good thing about Garrett Wilson is he is a surgical route runner. One of the best I've seen. He cooks the DB off the line. I mean, literally like we're, you know, frying bacon over there. This man's like a chef. There's a hibachi up there, and that's that's Garrett Wilson. When he breaks off the line, his breakaway speed you can't can't match that. And it's just the the matter of his footwork is just a one. And for that reason, he is my wide receiver one because I think he's plug and play. Where it doesn't matter where he goes, he is going to immediately make an impact on whatever team he's going to. He's just that talented. You could make an argument for the height being a problem at six foot tall, but I, I don't really, I don't think height is as big of a deal as it used to be. Used to, you'd want a big bodied receiver that's got a lot of weight to throw around, that's pretty tall, that could, you know, win all of these jump balls. That's not how Garrett Wilson beats you. He beats you by just breaking away from you. I mean, you're not going to be able to catch him once he gets away. And then he's just so slippery that cornerbacks have a tough time staying in front of him or even leveraging him to the outside to try to get an incompletion. It's just, I mean, the man's always open. Um, And on top of that, he's got rushing ability as well. He can run out of the backfield. They've done wide or Ohio state did that plenty this year where they would have him run from the backfield. And he scored, I think a 70 yard touchdown, maybe a 60 yarder as well. He was always available to do anything, and for that reason, Garrett Wilson is wide receiver one. I personally would not blame you if you took him over any of the running backs in this class. I really wouldn't Um, because although I I like all three of the running backs that are going to be at the top, Brees Hall, Spiller, Walker, I understand. I understand why they are going to be there at the top, and – you're going to have, if you need a running back, you're going to have, you're going to have to take one. I get it. Like that's, that's, that's how it is. But this is going to be the best player right here. Garrett Wilson. He is going to be the guy that changes your team. He's going to be the immediate guy that steps in there. You're going to be looking back next year and be like, damn, I should have gotten him on my team. That's I I think when it comes to 2023, when we're looking back at last year's draft, we're going to be like, I mean, why did we sleep on Garrett Wilson? Doesn't make any sense. This year, I'm pretty sure that player's Jalen Waddle. A lot of people did not expect for him to be as good as he's been, including myself. I thought there was major problems with that ankle. 
has not shown itself yet. I mean, maybe there's something down the line, but as of right now, Waddle looks unstoppable. And I think Garrett Wilson, you know, for this class, you know, he's not, I don't think he's Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase is just, just special. I mean, any team that Jamar Chase, like if you could be on a team with Justin Jefferson and you make Justin Jefferson look like the slot receiver that can't do anything, or not that he can't do anything, that he's just definitely the second banana, then, I mean, that should show you everything you needed to know about Jamar Chase. However, Garrett Wilson, number one guy in this class, don't think it's debatable. All right, on to number two on my list, and that is Trey Lon Burks from the University of Arkansas. He is a 6'3", 225 receiver, uh, big-bodied. Um, there was a couple games this year that K.J. Jefferson, the quarterback for Arkansas, could not necessarily get him as involved as you would probably like um, our, our against Georgia comes to mind immediately. Uh, that was a complete lockdown, but I don't think that was a referendum on Traylon Burks himself. I think that was more of the offense and how stout that Georgia defense was. I mean, we saw what Jamison Williams did against them and maybe that was closer to a fluke than what happened to Traylon Burks, but KJ Jefferson, they were just living in the backfield the whole entire game against them. So there wasn't really a lot for Traylon Burks to do. So let's get to the stats. 67 catches, 16.8 yards per reception, 1,100 yards, receiving 11 touchdowns. And when I tell you that he runs like a gazelle, he runs like a gazelle. The man is a quick, quick 220-pound 25 pound receiver. And I think one of the the biggest things that's good about him is that he, although he can make the contested catch, he can also catch it in stride, outrun your defensive back. He he doesn't look fast when he's running. He looks a little plodding, but it's a powerful, powerful run. And I think that, you know, when you bring him to the next level, it's going to mean a lot. Um, I kind of made a joke on Twitter. It wasn't really a joke. It was more of like a, I wanted to to press some buttons, see what people thought. So I, I compared Traylon Burks to um, Laquan Treadwell, who was from Old Miss a couple years ago. Everybody remembers him. He was first round wide receiver from Minnesota, and for all intents and purposes, was a bust. Injuries did plague him, and he did fracture his ankle um, in his junior year. Um, before or his sophomore year before he ended up coming out his junior year um the size is about the same yards per reception a little bit off um i think lacron treadwell is more like 14 Traylon burks all three years has been 16 at least so i i think he's better I, i'm trying to hunt down the bus in this class and i came to Traylon burks and i'm like is there any chance that that's who it is? But I don't think it is. So Traylon Burks, very powerful wide receiver. He's going to make any any team that gets him a lot better. He's going to be an immediate starter day one. I think there's about four wide receivers in this class that are immediate starters day one. A couple others that I think are going to seep in as the years go as the year goes on. But Traylon Burks, you know, big play threat down the field. He's tall. Whoever gets him is going to love him, and hopefully he can get put into a good situation. Um, I definitely see team 
see teams that need the wide receivers are like the Browns, the Saints. I could hear uh, maybe the Cardinals if they don't sign back AJ Green. Um, San Francisco could probably use one. I mean, obvious the obvious ones that have always needed one, like Green Bay, for example, has always needed a wide receiver. They will never take one for some reason. We'll never understand that. But um, so Traylon Burks will be good on any of those teams. Any team he goes to is fine as long as they don't put him in a situation where there's a lot of wide receivers on there because that's going to end up capping what he can do. The old CD Lamb issue. So hopefully that's not what happens to Traylon Burks, but he's good. So put him in there. Number three, the relative newcomer in this class. He was not touted as being one of the top wide receivers in this class, but it's hard to knock his production, and that is Jamison Williams from Alabama. He has been a revelation this year. Um, Every game he's in, he immediately affects it. He immediately comes in, takes over the game. You can't stop him. Georgia tried. Believe me, it was tough to watch for a Georgia fan, I'm sure, as Jamison Williams carved up the defense. he He's not particularly big. He's 6'2", 189 pounds. It's not like big-bodied, not going to kill you, but his speed is something that is, like, ferocious because he's just, you know, he's always coming across the middle. He's going to outrun your defensive back. You don't have a really a good chance of catching that. At the next level, I think probably will be a little closer to what he actually is, but it's really hard to knock what he's done this year. It's it's flat out impressive. And for me, he's the wide receiver three in this class. Stats wise, 68 catches, 21.3 yards per reception. Insanity. Uh, 1,400 yards receiving, 15 touchdowns. The dude is unstoppable. I thought going into the year it was going to be John Mechie the third. That was the Alabama wide receiver, the next one in the long lineage of Alabama wide receivers. Nope. It's Jamison Williams. Um, he's going to go high in the draft because he's got the Alabama pedigree. Every kid for, that comes from Alabama is immediately going to get um, the special treatment. Not that there's anything wrong with that because a lot of these Alabama wide receivers have ended up working out. I mean, I, I don't even need to go through the list. Julio, uh, Jerry, Judy, Amari Cooper. Uh, it, we don't need to go through the list. He's just the next one in this, in this long list of um, – Alabama wide receivers. So Jamison Williams locked in, no problem. He probably will put on a couple of pounds in training camp, but if that, as long as it doesn't affect his speed, I don't see any kind of issue with him. All right. On a number four, which could, this guy could have been higher. Uh, the problem is he fractured his ankle um, about eight games into the season. And that kind of sucked. So it's Drake London out of USC. 6'5", 210. I don't know what else to say. He's an absolute monster. He reminds me of Kenny Galladay. That would be my comp right away. I haven't given out many comps. Garrett Wilson's probably Antonio Brown, by the way. That's probably who I would comp him to. I would not comp Traylon Burks to Laquan Treadwell. That would be hateful. But Drake London, the guy looks like Kenny Galladay. It's tough to not see that. Um Drake London stats before he, this is before he got hurt. This isn't even, I got, he was so far above everyone else in stats before he got hurt that his stats look like a full season worth because he was on an insane pace, but he had 88 catches insane uh, 12 point or 12.3 yards per reception, 1,084 yards and seven touchdowns. 
He did that in like eight games. It's insane. Um, the yards per reception was more because they were using him as a possession receiver. He has incredibly good hands. Uh, that that kind of important when you're that good of a wide receiver, and when you're especially when you're six five. I don't see how, other than the medical problem of him having a fractured ankle, I don't see how you can't hate or can't like this guy. Uh, he's going to immediately be something that you you know. If he falls to the second round, I, I would be shocked because it, he, again, looks like a can't miss. Like The problem when you have somebody that tall is usually he doesn't have the best of hands. Like He's probably won a couple of jump balls in his day, but he's never been somebody that has transcended um, the position. But this guy was clear in a way the leader in receptions before he got hurt. I mean, it wasn't even close between him and everyone else. And yardage as well. He was like 200 yards above everyone when he got hurt, simply because they need. They kept peppering him with targets. I he had games this year that were like the stats were unbelievable. And I, for one, will be definitely targeting him in the draft. I think he's probably going to slip down a little bit because of the injury. Um, but any if you watch his watch his tape. It's, it's just, it's crazy. Um, you, you never see a guy that's that size doing what he was able to do. And I, yeah, I mean, literally any, anybody he went up against, he was insane. So a couple of the, the crazy games for this year, just to kind of let you all in on what I'm talking about. Um, He's had he had a 12 reception for 137 game, a 13 reception for 170 game, uh, 16 receptions for 162 game, and like uh, against Notre Dame, which was a really good matchup, 15 receptions, 171 yards. That's that is his. That's what he's capable of. It's it's not just like you know with guys like Traylon Burks, um, Jameson Williams to an extent, not necessarily the same. But you would have these 150-yard games, but only maybe six catches. Like, they would just have that big play. This guy, you throw him the ball, he's everywhere. The man can catch. The man, he doesn't necessarily have to be the guy that, throw, you know, catches the long bomb down the field. Sometimes it's these little 10-yard outs. You just keep peppering him with targets, and the man catches the ball. So, Drake London... I have, please do not sleep on him in this draft. Please don't because you're going to end up making a mistake, leaving him off your list of uh, draftable people. And I'm sure by the time we get to the draft, he'll probably be overhyped and people will be like, Oh, he's the, you know, next Calvin Johnson. Well, let's be, let's be clear. It's not Calvin Johnson, but a Kenny Galladay is very, that's still an impressive comp in my opinion. So, that, in my opinion, is the end of the for sure cannot miss going to start day one tier. Everyone else under this, and I'm only going to do three more today, and then I'll get to the rest of them at a different time because there's so many wide receivers in this class that I can't get to all of them today. But I've got three more listed here. These guys I could see coming in and making an uh, immediate impact, but not necessarily right away. Like an, a Monroe St. Brown for the Detroit Lions had a really good um, gauge of what how good he was going to be at the next level, and they slotted him in to be the slot receiver, and he didn't end up taking off until, you know, about 
12 games into the season. Now he looks unstoppable. So these are the kind of guys like that. Um, Rondale Moore uh, would be a good example um, of players that are going to go in probably the second round, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything bad about them. So first one is David Bell from Purdue, 6'2", 205. Uh, Stats-wise, 93 catches, 13.8 yards per reception, 1,200 yards receiving, six touchdowns. Um, my problem with David Bell is he was a smidge inconsistent. Um, I know you look at the catches of 93 and you're like, whoa, I mean, how you know how could he be that inconsistent? And then he was catching everything. It, he was pretty solely the only part of that Purdue offense that made any real strides. Um I, I I have him number five, so it's not like I'm downing him in any way, shape, or form. I'm not trying to tell you that he's a bad wide receiver or anything. I'm just saying, right away, I don't know if he's going to be super impactful. I think down the road, he definitely will be. He's got to work into it. Again, as I'm going to say this with every player in this entire draft process, landing spot matters. And for David Bell, it could be something where he steps has to step in right away. Like say Cleveland drafts him, they're going to need David Bell to be an immediate impact right away. For me personally, I don't think Cleveland needs another guy like this. I think he fills a lot of the Jarvis Landry, you know, checks a lot of those boxes. Maybe they could go after Burks or London or, you know, one of the taller guys, not really necessarily David Bell, but at the same time, David Bell's fine. He's a good possession wide receiver. He's not the long bomb threat that, you know, the rest of these, some of these other guys are capable of. He's more of that, like, dink and dunk, get down the field, little eight yard out here, little seven yard out here, you know, throw it over the middle for 15 yards, that kind of thing. And that's fine. That's the, uh, you need that kind of wide receiver on your team. And it's going to mean a lot for your PPR um, teams in Dynasty. And it's probably even redraft. I think David Bell would be redraftable. Um, probably not until late, but. he you know as far as dynasty goes second round for sure late second probably um landing spot could boost that up a little bit i mean if he gets like i said taken by green bay for example you're gonna immediately be like well you know if you've got aaron Rodgers throwing the ball given aaron Rodgers goes back there then yeah that's probably gonna be fine all right on to the most controversial player in this draft in this wide receiver draft to me because i think the i think there's a lot of the past living in this guy's hype because i don't really see it as much as other people and that's chris olave from ohio state he's a fine wide receiver fine wide receiver my problem is people have him in the first round of the nfl draft and okay so let let me just explain my problem with that garrett wilson's better he was a wide receiver one on that team pretty easily i mean it you could make your argument for jackson smith and jigba i'd listen to it that's fine and jigba is going to be probably the wide receiver one next draft 2023 but when garrett wilson was out because he had a like there was a one game where he had a concussion didn't play jackson smith and jigba was the guy it was immediately it was the smith and jigba show and Olave was relegated to the wide receiver two's role. And that, that that's kind of my problem here is that how can I tell you to take a player on your team 
potentially in the second round of the, your dynasty draft, that could not even become the wide receiver two, like you know, two on his own team when he was playing. It was Garrett Wilson, it was Jackson Smith and Jigba, and then it was Chris Olave. And I'll tell you what, and this moment stuck with me the entire season. And if you've listened to this podcast long enough, you've heard me talk about it. The play in the damn Oregon game, when they needed his ass to catch that touchdown, they needed it. And they threw, CJ Stroud threw him the ball in the back of the end zone. Instead of going for the catch, he went for the PI. I don't like that one bit. I really don't. I really don't. I don't like when wide receivers would rather go and leverage the refs than try to catch the ball. If you go for the ball and you get interfered with, sure, sure. But if you're not even trying to catch the ball, if you're just trying to draw contact to, you know, it's like James Harden in the N- NBA. Like, no, nobody wants to watch that. It's not good football, in my opinion. I I just, I have small problems with him. I will also say there's two games this season where one, he didn't even get targeted. And then the other one, <laughs> He only had one catch. How are you one of the wide? How are you a wide receiver one in the NFL draft if you only are getting targeted one time in a game, and then the other game you don't have a single catch? It's insane. That that is insane to me. So let me get through the stats real quick. He's six one, hundred eighty seven, a little undersized. I'm sorry, that was a dig. I'm not. I, I don't hate Chris Olave. He's going to make a team. You know, he's going to make a team, and he. Given the right situation, as the theme is of this podcast, he could be very good. So, 65 catches, 14.4 yards per reception, 936 yards, 13 touchdowns. Okay, those are solid numbers. I, I mean, they're not as good as some of the other guys on this list, but, you know, when you're the wide receiver three on a team, given the two guys on the team are also wide receiver ones of their, you know, respective draft classes, Maybe you're not, you know, you know, the third banana sometimes doesn't get fed. I mean, LSU had uh, uh, Chase Jefferson and Terrace Marshall on the team. You know, Terrace Marshall didn't get fed as much because the two guys ahead of him were, you know, two of the best receivers that are in the NFL today. So hopefully Terrace Marshall gets his his run, but we'll get to that. However, Chris Olave. He's got plenty of chance to prove what he's worth, and I I will not be believing in him going into the draft. I would p- prefer for him to prove me wrong because I hate finding bus, but this guy has bus written all over it to me. So moving on, Jahan Dotson for Penn State. This is the last one I got for today. Uh, Jahan Dotson, 5'11", 183 pounds. I mean, to say that he's undersized is an understatement, but... 91 catches, 13 uh, yards per reception, 1,182 yards, 12 touchdowns. He was literally the only thing Penn State had. Penn State was only good because Jahan Dotson was good. That's just the way it was. And anybody that watched any of those games understood pretty, you know, pretty right away that if you could, if you couldn't get Jahan Dotson going, that Penn State offense wasn't going. It's just, it's just the way that it was. I don't know what else to say. Um, I personally, I I like him. He is a little short. I get that. I'm not, you know, our short Kings out there are, you know, they're players. They're, they're good. I'm not, I'm not going to hate on anybody for their height. I'm a big Baker Mayfield person. And, 
you know, coming out, you basically think he was the shortest person ever because of how um, short he is. I will say this. I get frustrated as anybody when somebody, you know, they bring up the height as him not being able to see over the O-line or whatever. I get it. I, I Fine. But it, it's not always necessary commentary on every game when you're making fun of somebody's height. Not good. But Jahan Dotson has really good hands, and that is what's going to keep him relevant. I think he's got slot receiver written all over him. And given what slot receivers have been able to do this year, Amon or St. Brown among them, having a guy that's a good possession receiver like that is really important. And a guy that you can give that amount of targets to that is going to be able to catch the ball. Now, here's the problem I have is I think, you know, we'll have to see what his 40 time is at the combine, what he does in like the shuttle cone drill and stuff, because that's the kind of stuff that they take to heart when you're watching him. Maybe he can go up the board a little bit. Personally, I don't think you're going to have to worry about grabbing him until like the third round of your dynasty draft. By the way, when I talk about rounds, I'm talking about IDP included. So, you know, that's every offense position and every defensive position. Jahan Dotson, Probably late third round. I think you could probably get a mid to late third round. Um, and that's, it's not an indictment of his talent. It's that like, there's a, other positions that are going to seep up into the earlier rounds. I think that are going to be important. There's a couple of defensive players. I think are going to be first round picks this year in IDP drafts, which never happens. Normally you can get those guys in the second round. Um, but Jahan Dotson, good player. Can't wait to see what he's able to do at the next level. So that's the end of part one of wide receivers. We will, I will come back to them. We got, I have a whole like later round of running backs and wide receivers that a little bit of a sleeper. They're a little inconsistent. They're not going to be the guys that you see right away, but I don't want anybody to go through this draft process. Anybody who's listening to this to go into you know, the draft and be like, well, who the hell is that guy? Like, why is he getting hype and not at least have a little bit of a primer on who they are? You know, that that's what we're doing here. We're just trying to make sure we're all on the same page. You know, like I'm, I'm not slinging secrets here. I'm just trying to make sure everybody's up in understanding what we're, what we're going to go through in this next couple months as drafts approaches, because you're going to see the hot takes fly on social media. I've already started to see them. They're out there. Hot takes are flying, you know, like a breakfast restaurant, man. They're just serving them up, like order up, ding, ding. I get it. Everybody's going to have one. But as long as you know who the can't miss prospects are, and as long as you know the risk associated with the people later down, I think that we've done what we've planned to do with this podcast, you know. Um, If you're listening to this, you you know, we're we're just a tight circle here. We're all just, you know sharing notes, keeping on the same page. Um, and as long as you are in that position, me too, I love to go into the draft with as much knowledge as possible. And I hope to share, and hopefully we can all just share notes and we can all be on the same page so that we can win our dynasty leagues. So thank you for tuning in. This is the dynasty tailgate podcast at ombre vendor on Twitter. If you want to come talk bowl games, we got plenty of them coming up. Playoff games are tomorrow. If you're listening to this, on thursday i cannot wait to talk about those we're going to talk about that a little bit next week next week we're going to dive into tight ends 
not the best tight end class. However, tight ends are a big issue in today's NFL because there's a tough time finding the ones that matter. So we're going to try to find some diamonds in the rough because we've got to try to locate those next guys up um, because they're you know somewhat tough to find. So I will see you next week. Thank you for tuning in. Go watch some football. College football is in its prime right now. I'll see you next week.